Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Anne Hand. She's the CEO of Super League Gaming. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. And we had you on, uh, oh, it's been some time, I think, when we, we first started. So those that aren't familiar with the company, can you just give them a, a quick overview of Super League Gaming? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's a good kind of healthy update since we last spoke. Um, the company was founded about seven years ago. Um, our focus has always been on um, young gamers and creating um, fantastic experiences for them, whether they be competitive gameplay or gameplay that's more around creation. And what has happened really over the course of the last few years is we've really doubled down specifically on metaverse games. And so when we talk about metaverse games, we're not talking about uh, Facebook metaverse and, and the more ambiguous part of the metaverse. Metaverse games have been around for over a decade. Think about games like Minecraft and Roblox, very well-known games. And we've been operating worlds inside uh, Metaverse games, specifically those two titles, for, for eight years. Um, and so what the company does is we build and operate game worlds for ourselves and others. We bring brands into the Metaverse. And then we also have a content network around it. So as we bring people into those worlds, they play in those worlds. They generate gameplay that we then live broadcast um, or create original content around. That serves as a bit of a megaphone that also drives audience and viewership um, to, to our content. And then that in itself drives uh, players back into the funnel. So imagine that we've built a, a very self-fulfilling kind of um, ecosystem around these very wildly popular metaverse games. And our primary business model is that we can bring brands there. And, and why we're distinctive in that way is because, as I said, because we've been operating in metaverse games for over eight years, we know it well, and we've already built success for ourselves. Um, right now, we reach over 70 million monthly players in metaverse games, and we generate um, over 1 billion impressions a month. That success that we've built for ourselves means that we can guarantee that performance result when we bring brands and advertisers into the game worlds that we've created. So and maybe I'm a little slow this morning, but I'm not getting it in terms of what the game world is. You're not creating the game. You're creating something else that people are drawn to. And what is it and why are they drawn to that as opposed to just yeah, going to really play the game? Um, because what it is um, is that these games like Roblox and Minecraft are open-world gaming platforms. They're not in themselves. So what's happening is, is that those games are platforms that give people tools and democratize game design. And so anybody, whether you're a 12-year-old enthusiast of the game or you're a 28-year-old um, you know, kind of power player of those games, those games give you tools and you get to design your own private game worlds inside those platforms. So we partner with people who make games in those worlds. One game may be themed a fun uh, speed racing game. Another one could be around adopting a pet and taking care of your pet. They can be themed, you know, uh, open your imagination to all the themes. You know, we could be creating a world for Barbie or Hot Wheels inside those game platforms for other people, and we've also built those games for ourselves. And so we operate games inside those two platforms. And so when a player comes in, they get to choose. Where, what game world do I want to go into? And we have over 70 million players a month choosing games 
that are part of the Super League network in those two game platforms. So is your game world some type of a portal or website? It's, a, it's, a, it's really twofold. In the game of, of Minecraft, we have games embedded inside of Minecraft that we run on behalf of Microsoft. Their names are Mineville and Pixel Paradise. We also have our own owned and operated website called Minehut. So you can go to minehut.com, and that's where we allow you to create your own game worlds inside Minehut, which is still on the backbone of the Minecraft code. And then inside Roblox, if you're a Roblox user, when you go in to play a game, you see a list of, of top exciting games that you can choose from. And between our own owned and operated games that we run ourselves um, and the titles that we partner with that have, have, have latched kind of into our brand advertising network, we have reached to 150 top tier game worlds inside of Roblox. And so you, the, you need to imagine that those 70 million players are dispersed over those 150 titles and those are guaranteed audience reach that then we can drop brands into any of those 150 unique games inside the Roblox platform. Okay. And then how big a market uh, are these game worlds, the size of the addressable market? Yeah, no, it's another good question because, again, you know, right now I think a lot of investors are like, Metaverse, what is it? Is it a, do you need a VR headset to do this? No, you don't. Metaverse games, again, the things that I'm talking about that have been around for over a decade, Kids are playing them on tablets, on consoles, or on, on desktops and laptops. They don't need a VR headset. So this is a very accessible um, – Metaverse games to date have always been extremely accessible, um, don't require a lot of investment, and it's a very large market. Right now, the gaming metaverse is projected to be a $413 billion industry by 2024. And then as a subset of that – um, in-game advertising is valued at $56 billion by, by 2024. And why that's important is that's the primary um, way we monetize um, all of this reach and this audience, um, either the player base and the viewer base that we're able to attract to this compelling in-game content that we extract out of the gameplay. Um, so the primary business model is one where we are bringing brands and advertisers into these game worlds so they can reach this very elusive audience of, of Gen Z gamers in a real engaging, immersive way. Um, and if you think about it, why are brands like Nike and Gucci and even Barbie advertising in these game worlds? It's because it's either new sources of revenue, digital goods, or, and or it is um, ways to take that, build that brand interest and affinity in a digital world and have that cross over into physical good purchases. And so it's a really a new customer acquisition channel for brands and advertisers. And what we have is, is a really unique set of ad products. So the first one is imagine, again, we'll keep using the Barbie example. First, we can make a world, a game world dedicated to Barbie all things Barbie. You can be in her dream house, driving around with her in her, her pink kind of Corvette. Um, we can also, we have unique ad products that are dynamic billboards. So imagine um, you're in a different game that's not Barbie themed, but you're, you're playing in your game and you see a billboard off to the side of the road. But imagine now in the billboard, 
is a funny GIF or meme that is Barbie-oriented. So it's more like a media product or placement. These things can't be ad-blocked out. They're embedded in the game. They're not like pop-up advertisements. They're actually just part of the landscape of the game. Um, imagine as well in that, that non-themed Barbie game, at the same time, you might just as your avatar or player is walking around the game, you might see a Barbie 3D character walking around. That's another one of our ad units. And she might wave to you, and you can go up and you can actually have a chat exchange with her. And so that's the really unique ways that we can bring brands into the game. But we don't stop there, as I mentioned at the start. These brands don't just want the immersive gameplay experience to reach this elusive audience. They then want the content out of it because that goes back to it's that content megaphone that then you can blast across social and live stream channels, and that's the way you really get the additional ROI, the eyeballs and impressions that the brands need to deliver against their campaign objectives. Um, and by the way, I should note, because we're, we're targeting a lot of under-18 gamers on our platform, we've always had um, COPA compliance. We just recently um, reached our, our kids safe certification. Those are really important things when you're talking about these very massive global brands that have to ensure that they're reaching audiences safely. Okay, so obviously a very a large market that you're addressing. What's the competitive landscape look like, and, and how do you fit in? Yeah, you know, right now what is so unique about us is, is that we're not just bringing brands into the metaverse world. As I alluded to earlier, it's already where we live. And so, you know, a lot of brands are asking the question, you know, if you're Adidas, you see that Nike is in the metaverse. And you're saying as the CMO, well, well what's my play? How do I get in? And you might turn inside your org or turn to an, your ad agency and say, help me. Well, you know, they can first say, well, let's go find a game design shop. Let's go find, um, you know, a studio somewhere that makes Roblox games inside the Roblox platform. Now, the problem there is, is that, you know, what if they build a game, which can be a very costly proposition, and nobody plays it? It's not any fun. That is a massive risk and investment for CMOs. So, um, so, and then the next thing is, you then still have to hire another company, a, a studio, to extract content out of the gameplay. You probably want to augment it with social media influencers. So that's a, a third kind of capability. Um, and so when you start, you probably want to augment it with a media buy. So those four legs of the stool, the game design, the, 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 the content extraction, the social media influencer piece, and then the media buy, those are four pieces that you're going to have to work with four different partners to cobble together and hope for success. The difference for us is, is we already have all of those assets under our portfolio, and we don't even have to make you a new game. We can drop you in an existing game that already has all of the traffic. So imagine we do have a world that is very specifically built around you know, themes around young girls we can take a part of that game world and we can designate it as a Barbie world inside rather than building a, a bespoke world separate for Barbie somewhere else. So that's really the difference is to be able to provide all those solutions in a bundled way and guarantee those results means that we don't have a natural competitor. Okay. So you mentioned Barbie, and, and I know you have revenue now. So uh, are you, you're already at the scale for national advertisers, is that correct? 
Yeah, so that's another thing that's changed a lot in the last few years. We've always had an ad sponsorship model, but even in just the last year alone, um, some pretty significant changes. So first, I talked in our last earnings call about the fact that we now have several deals in our pipeline that we're pursuing that are seven-figure deals. Um, I also spoke about um, winning our first one, which is a $1.2 million campaign we're doing with Samsung right now um, that uh, launched on May 13th. And again, that, that campaign taps into all those pieces I talked about. It's about immersive um, music concerts inside a metaverse game world brought to you by Samsung. They want the live broadcast and content extraction, and then we amplified it with that social media bullhorn, so to speak. And so we were able to do a full 360 campaign for them. That's how we're able to do a seven-figure deal is we're providing all of the critical services um, from, from one kind of proven company to do that. But some other things that are, that are really moving, you know, the winds in our favor. Average deal size now in the pipeline is about 200K. If you compare that to a year ago, it's about 50K. Um, we also continue always, a hallmark really over the last 18 months, is we have a really high percentage of, per, of repeats. So um, we, we reported in, in first quarter this year 90% repeats. So that's either brands or agencies that have worked with us before coming back and putting more dollars to work with for it, with us. So when we talk about that scale, you know, the ad game is all about scale. And we always knew that once we got to meaningful haps, you know, reaching that volume of, of monthly players and impressions, that in theory we should be able to take more and more sh- uh, of a share of an advertiser's wallet. So they're spending more with us. They're coming back over and over again because our campaigns are delivering their objectives. But then the other thing that um, is exciting to me is the diversity of the verticals we're attracting. You know, it's not just the toy companies like, you know, the Mattels and the Moose Toys, maybe the more obvious, or the the game companies. Um, You know, um, Logitech is also an investor in us, a longtime um, partner of ours. Paramount is an investor in us. They own Nickelodeon. You know, you can see where some of these types of, of advertisers are very obvious. But again, this is a new place to, to create new brand connections. And so we're seeing um, a lot of excitement in other verticals like automotive. We've been working with Hyundai for the last year. Um, Tyson Foods recently has used bought some of our media products. I mentioned Nike earlier. Um, so whether it's CPG, food, automotive, banking, um, we're starting to see a diversity um, across verticals. And I I think it really speaks to the most important fact, which is everybody's pretty much a gamer these days, and they're not growing out of it. And the truth is these metaverse game worlds, what makes them so great is they speak to creation, game design, competitive play, community. Um, It really is a a full expression of who you are physically in a digital world. And so it's so attractive to so many young gamers because it's the ultimate um, way for self-expression. There's a lot of STEM learning rooted in it. That's why parents are so supportive of these game platforms. And, you know, if 80% of Gen Z say their favorite activity is gaming above all other forms of entertainment, then it's exactly where advertisers need to be. So in terms of uh, ramping up or, or scaling revenue, uh, is there a capacity to it? Or every time you take on a new, um, new customer or a new, new, uh, new ad, there's a big uh, 
program that has to be developed behind it, or, or what's involved in scaling? Yeah, um, so first of all, there are elements that are custom. If we're going to create a, a world for Nike um, that's a dedicated, immersive, persistent world, then there's going to be some design, right, because we're going to make a game experience either inside one of our games, existing games, or we're going to create a new game for them. Um, but a lot of those other products that I talked about, the 3D characters and dynamic billboards, think of those as more standardized off-the-shelf media products. Um, and then we also, you know, when we talk about how we extract the content and augment it, you know, um, you know, through social media, that as well is much more standardized. So it can take anywhere from, you know, two to four weeks to design game modes. Um, the nice thing is we have already a library of engines that can just be reskinned. And so in that case, we can really collapse that, that game time. As far as capacity goes, um, I guess just first as a reference point, we, did, we gave guidance this year for the first time, and our annual guidance was that we would do a minimum of 20 to 22 million in revenue. Um, to put that in comparison, last year we did 11.7 million, and the year prior just a little over 2 million. So certainly investors told us loud and clear over the last couple of years, we, we've got to see top line faster. And I think the stair-step growth from 2 to 11 to 20 to 22 has definitely sat well with the investors. Now, you know, what's the capacity? What's the potential? Well, you know, our inventory kind of blew up on us um, in the back half of the last year. We made a couple small tuck-in accretive acquisitions that all of a sudden gave us a lot more impressions and also a lot of international inventory. And so what I had said on the last call is, you know, we're fulfilling a tiny percent of that because we have our primary um, sales force is a domestic-based sales force. So we have all this international inventory unused. Um, and so if we said, what if we just you know, fulfilled 30 40% of all that available inventory out there, we wouldn't be giving guidance of $20 million. It would be more like $200 million. That's the potential right now. It's all of this inventory that is growing so fast that we can't possibly fulfill it fast enough. So, so what are we doing about that? Well, the first thing we're doing is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're putting more ad dollars to work through bigger, chunkier deals. You know, just got a, a note today about somebody who wants to do a one-day takedown of all of our inventory across the system. So that's the exciting thing. We can start to look at some of those bigger deals from a more of a direct sales point of view. But then the other thing we've talked about is the importance of what we call our network or reseller partners. Because we don't have an international sales team, and frankly, you know, our investors wouldn't want us manning up and, and absorbing that kind of operating cost to staff up to sell it. We did something I think is really smart, and we're in the early days, but it's one of, I think, the most important moves that we started this year. We first partnered with about 10 different international partners, so think of these as media companies or maybe ad agencies that are already outselling advertising to big brands in those different markets. You know, the, the example of Nike buying some of our products is them buying some of those standardized products off the shelf through our, one of our UK reseller partners. So it's a large ad agency. They were already doing a big campaign for Nike. It may be included print and podcast and billboards and maybe some linear TV, well, they bundled some of our metaverse game ad products into the deal. 
So they're kind of dragging us along into deals that are much larger and more multifaceted. Um, and so, and the nice thing is the way we've structured these agreements is there's a floor on the CPM because you know our CPMs are ten to twenty-five dollars. This is a very premium, high-quality um, ad product because of the deep engagement and immersion and kind of um, that that we can we can report against um, um, to to advertisers. So we set floors. We we have about a fifty percent margin on our product, so we've protected our margins as well. Um, so we're, we're smartly using other people's sales forces to go out and sell on our behalf. And then there was a recent announcement as well about our partnership with iHeartMedia. And I think this is the one that I, of all of them I'm, I'm the most excited about. You know, iHeart is a media company, but what do they right now have to sell their sales force, which is the second largest ad sales force in North America? So 1,500 people, they're out there selling buys or placements inside podcasts and radio. So imagine now as they're going out and talking to these big brands where they already have the Rolodex and the deep partnerships and they're adding into the deal an additional chunk of money for a metaverse buy. It really does allow iHeart to put themselves forward as more of a multimedia company, which is really the strategic direction of the company. Um, And so I feel like that is the biggest opportunity we have is to leverage other people's sales forces to address the fact that we have this ever-growing, dynamic, and very underutilized um, amount of inventory out there. And so your customers, if I have this correct, they're the national advertisers and they're the ad agencies? Yes, yes. Either a brand is coming to us and saying, I, I need your help, I need to understand what my metaverse strategy is, it could, be a, it could be them saying, I want a persistent one. I want to be in the metaverse all the time. I want a dedicated world. Or it could be them saying, I have a campaign coming up. Um, you know, and then, or it could be coming through their ad agency. Um, you know, right now we just received two RFPs from Mattel that were specific to 3Q buys coming through their ad agency. And now we have the kind of heft and reach of audience that we can really go after those large RFPs and, and really come in with, with a holistic kind of offering that we believe can't really be matched by other um, players. And what's the revenue model look like? Um, yeah, so right now still about 70% of our revenue comes through that at brand partnership advertising. Um, um, so you know, when you look at that 20 to 22 million minimum guidance I, gave, I offered this year, that means that you know, 15 to 17 of it is going to come through through either our direct sales force selling ad inventory or our reseller partners. Um, we do have two other revenue streams. The first is direct-to-consumer. I mentioned MindHut and MindVille and Pixel Paradise. Those are game worlds. Um, we have another one in Rob- – those are game worlds inside Minecraft. We also have game worlds inside of Roblox like ABX. In those worlds, because we are the person who's designed and runs the game – we can also plug into Roblox's um, direct-to-consumer e- e-commerce platform. And what that means is every time a player in our game buys a good, like a microtransaction in the game, we get a monthly check from, from Roblox or, or Minecraft for half the revenue of that. 
And so that is where our direct-to-consumer um, right now lies. It's where we own and operate our own game worlds so we can go further downstream and, and tap into Minecraft and Roblox's direct-to-consumer monetization models. Um, and in that case, what's nice about that is that's a very small amount of our revenue. You know, it's, it's about $2 million of that 20 to 22, but it has so much opportunity for growth. Um, in the early days, we just focused on get more players in, get more players in, free to play, always knowing that over time we could focus, first focus on the top of the funnel, and then we could try to drive more player monetization over time. So lots of potential there. The other nice thing it does is it smooths out some of the inevitable seasonality of an advertising model, which is, is for us very heavily weighted in 3 and 4Q due to back-to-school and, and holiday spend, like, like most ad models would have. Um, the third um, leg of revenue is um, content um, production and technology. Um, I talked earlier about the fact that, that um, a lot of these brands don't just want the ad units and the, game, you know, the immersive gameplay. They want the content as well. Well, sometimes um, brand partners or advertisers come to us and they just want content. Um, you know, we, we run broadcasts for Topgolf, one of our longtime partners. Um, Twitch, um, the live streaming gaming platform owned by Amazon, um, pays us to run um, monthly tournaments for them and provide them that live stream feed to drive viewership to their landing page. Um, that, that broadcast technology we've created for ourselves um, has a lot of value even beyond even just plain old gaming. So um, right now, Indemol Shine, who makes that game show on TV called Lego Masters, um, uses portions of our technology just to take cost out of making a good old-fashioned TV show. Um, so, um, and the other way that we make money inside that third leg is, you know, we're amassing a really large library of content. And we've only begun to scratch the surface of who might be interested in that content. We aggregate tons of player highlights naturally through all the gameplay that's happening. And so we, you know, again, early days, but right now for the last six months or so, probably even longer, probably more like eight months, Snapchat has become a regular customer. They buy, you know, three or to five or so three-minute clips from us a week. Um, they're highlight clips of kind of cool gameplay. They post it in their Snapchat stories, and anytime they sell an ad unit against it, we get a rev share split back. So there's all this derivative content that we believe um, as well could be a nice recurring revenue stream through syndication or licensing over time that, again, would smooth out the seasonality of the ad model. And I know it's working because you just reported a record quarter, but, but what's the growth strategy? So first of all, I talked about a little bit of that inorganic growth. And what that inorganic growth did last year is it solidified um, our capability, technology, and reach in each of those four legs of that stool that I spoke about, which is how we bring that full 360 offer to advertisers. So a lot of our growth right now is really an organic strategy. We have the capability, the tech, and the reach that we need, and now it's really about putting lighter fluid on that fire to really start selling out more and more of that, that lucrative um, inventory. It doesn't mean we won't look at opportunistic, accretive M&A from time to time, but our case that we made to our investors last year is these are the building blocks that we need for, for scale. And as I mentioned earlier, when you think about all the 
the uncaptured potential, the value we're leaving on the table um, with our unused inventory. That is our, our primary focus, and we have more than enough inventory to fulfill not just this year's strategy, but also the top-line step change growth we, we expect to see next year as we march to profitability. So, and as we monitor the company over the next year, what me- metrics should we use, or what are some of the events or catalysts that we might see? Yeah, I think, you know, some of the things I spoke about earlier, I mean, one is you're going to, you know, as you said, we have, we've had record quarters in 3Q, 4Q, and again here in 1Q. Um, we're, we've, you know, the last two quarters, we've beaten analyst estimates, um, and, 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 they, and they've been revising those up based on that. So I think one thing you're going to want to look for is that continued top-line growth and, and, and good, solid performance relative to prior year quarter. I think the other thing that, you know, I mentioned a little bit more is also um, deals one and the, the size of those deals. So more seven-figure deals, continuing to see deal sizes getting larger, um, and also that repeat. I think sales pipeline health and how we're doing in converting and, and continuing to reconvert people who've, who've put money with us to work prior is so, so critical because that's a leading indicator. It's not looking back. It's really looking forward at how well we and our investors can count on this continued step change growth in revenue. And then I think the other one that's important is the ones I start out with about how many players are we reaching, how many impressions, because that's the ad inventory story, right? We need a sizable ad inventory and all that uncaptured opportunity. We need to continue to see the health of the sales pipeline grow, um, continue to see revenue growth and also starting to eat away at the operating loss. And I'd say probably the fourth would be uh, how the resellers are performing, right? So we're hoping, even though it's a very new strategy that we just launched in first quarter, we are very excited about being able to report to our investors in future calls the traction we're seeing in leveraging, again, other people's domestic and international sales forces to, sell, to really first educate and help advertisers even understand, be aware that these types of media products exist inside Metaverse games and then to be um, successfully selling um, more and more of that inventory on our behalf. So before we go, anything that I failed to ask you about that you wish I did or anything you want to leave us with? Um, well, I would just say the another nice thing is we really have the right team in place. Um, we have a strong executive team. We have a really impressive deep level of, of um, layer below at the director level. Um, you know, when you're running an early stage company, um, it's hard to um, deliver, operate, execute, execute well, and um, ensure the growth strategy is, is working and getting um, executed against. And I will say, you know, kind of hand on heart, that the last six, eight months is the best ever felt at Super League and my seven plus years of being here because, you know, I've run large things at scale. I ran a $3 billion global business for BP with 3,000 employees. I know what it feels like when you have a machine, an operation, and you have the right people in the right seats that they can deliver against those goals. And, and to finally be at a place where um, while we're still very, still very focused on cost and and, and getting to profitability, we also have the right talent in place um, and, and the right um, capability to really scale the company. And so 
for me, as I said, just on a personal basis, this is, this is the most I've ever tasted the potential for this to be a $200, $500 million, billion dollar company. Um, and so that is just a really exciting thing. And I think it shows through in how we're talking to brands now. You know, when I'm talking to, you know, I sat in, as a, a, in the job at BP running all our global brands um, globally. I now sit and I talk to top-name CMOs of big brands we all know and love. And the conversation is so different because we have the type of scale to actually be worthy of sitting in that room with them. And that, and that confidence is coming through, and, and I think it, it's going to absolutely transline, translate to top-line and bottom-line growth because we're worthy to be at that table and worthy to ask for the, the bigger partnerships, the bigger size deals. Very good. Well, it sounds like we caught you at a great time, and I really appreciate uh, you sharing the Super League gaming story. Thank you.